following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Well, kia ora church. It is uh, awesome to be here this morning. It's an honour to be able to get up here and share the word with you all. I'm the ring Well, I was the ring Reuben was meant to be away, but... He's here now, so all the pressure's back on. Great. We love that. Um, but it is all good. And as Ruben said, I'm just sitting up here. Have you even got a timer up here? Oh, gosh. Five minutes. No <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I am a teacher. I teach here on the North Shore. Um, I'm proud to say, I hope I don't offend anybody. This might be a great start, actually. I'm proud to say I'm not an Aucklander. I come from Whangamata. Grew up down in the Coromandel. Anyone been to Whangamata? Holidayed in Whangamata? Great. Those are who I'm preaching to this morning. Um, yeah, so I, I moved up here to start my teaching journey in 2015. I learned the T word, traffic. Um, yep, didn't realize that was a thing. You know, in Whangamata, it takes you five minutes to get everywhere. Here, you're stoked if it's under 30, eh? You know, you look Google Maps, under 30 minutes, great. Um, and I'm yet to find a beach in Auckland. I mean, Long Bay, it's, it's that, it's a bay. Just want to put it out there. Um, <laughs> Show me the waves, and I'll, uh, then I'll, I'll concede. But anyway, this morning, I want to get into the Word, because that's why we're here. So if you have a Bible, could you turn with me to Acts chapter 3, if you have a Bible or an Bible, uh, I'm going to be reading from the NLT translation this morning, and I'm going to be sharing about uh, Peter and John healing the lame beggar. So just a bit of context for this scripture in Acts this morning. I think we've got it on the screens here. So we have, this is just after the day of Pentecost has taken place. The Holy Spirit has poured out. Jesus is obviously resurrected and then ascended to heaven. And what we have is we have Peter and John on their way to a temple prayer meeting. Cool? All right, I'm going to read from Acts 3. Here we go. So Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so that he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, praising and began to walk. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Verse 12 goes on to read, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we have made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. What an awesome passage of scripture, eh? I could just end it there. <laughs> um, and what we see here is we see two men 
on fire for Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, and they are now living that out in their daily lives. Now, you've got to remember, these are the two men. First of all, we've got Peter, who not, not even a few chapters ago was doing what? Denying Jesus. Three times, in fact. One of them to a young girl. We've got what I like to call the hothead, John. He wanted to call down fire on the towns they passed by. But then we have two men completely transformed by Jesus. And it makes me wonder, when I read this scripture, what's the context for us today when it comes to being active in our faith, in our community, here in Albany or wherever in Auckland you are based? What does it look like to be active in our faith, sharing Jesus, bringing Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being activated in our faith? And so this word I'm going to share this morning, it challenges me, which is a good thing because I, I want to be challenged and I hope, it, I hope it's challenging and encouraging at the same time. Encouragingly challenging, if that's, if that's okay. And um, if you're a note taker this morning, well, this is for you because I've got, I've got a, a little title that you might want to put at the top of your notes. It helps me when I'm reflecting or looking back at what has been spoken before. So if you are a note person, I'm thinking of you today. And so I guess if you wanted to put a title of this message, it is simply this. Passive versus active Christianity. Passive versus active Christianity. And I want to start with this analogy. Can we throw up that next picture? <laughs> Half the room just shrunk inside when they saw dishes. So what we have here is two, two sets of uh, dish scenarios. Now, I would, I'm going to openly just be honest with you all this morning and say I'm naturally a pretty passive chore person in general, really. Um, I have some flatmates here and former flatmates here today. I wonder why they're former. Now I'm thinking, starting to work it out. Um, who would testify to this, that when it comes to dishes, it's probably my least favorite chore around the house. Is anybody like that? Dishes, their least favorite chore? What? You're all lying to me. How many of you love doing the dishes? All right, we'll pray for you after the service. Um, on the left, you would call this the passive dish dryer, a.k.a. me. Those dishes have been there for about a week. I think they've just drip dried enough now to put away. Um, that is me. I'm not proud to say it, but I'm that person. When I see the last soap sud disappear, then I'll put that dish away. You know, I've got to get better. Versus this person on the right, that's my dad. It's not actually my dad, but he kind of looks like that, actually. My dad's the kind of guy who, even when he's doing the dishes, even before he's dropped the dish brush into the hot water, he's got a tea towel in his hand, and he's drying them and putting them away straight away. You know, And I used to hate doing dishes with my dad because he'd never let me wash, always dry, and he'd make me stand there with him and dry them like as he gives them to you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, kids in the room, I, I feel your pain. Yeah? We didn't have a dishwasher at home. And um, you, know, you go through about, what, three or four tea towels in that session? You know, because they get so wet. I feel like it's counterproductive. But anyway, we've got active and passive dish drying. Now, I know it's a bit of a funny analogy, but I guess the same could kind of be said, right, about our Christian lives, our faith. Sometimes... We feel like we're active, we're, 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 we're seeing fruit in our lives, we're, we feel like we're spreading the good news of Jesus to people, we're helping out our community when they're in need, and we, we kind of feel a bit chuffed and go, yeah, I feel like I'm stepping out of my faith a bit. And then there are times where we feel like the dishes are stacked, we're a bit passive or a bit laid back. I don't know if that's just me this morning, but I feel that way. And I guess in this passage of Scripture, which I want to just unpack a little bit with you this morning, I think we see Peter and John embody active Christianity in several ways. 
Uh, and if it's okay, I, I want to break that down with you this morning. Is that okay, church? Awesome. So my first kind of point, once again, note takers, I'm thinking of you. Passive Christians will notice things, but active Christians take action with what they notice. In verse 2, it says that the lame man was sat at the beautiful gate. The beautiful gate. Now, historians and theologians agree roughly that the beautiful gate was most likely the gate that they would call the double gate, which is in the southern wall of the Temple Mount. It was a huge gate. Can we throw up that picture? Here we go. If you can see it, awesome. This is a digital recreation, obviously. They didn't have cameras back then. And um, I didn't make that. I've stolen that from somewhere. But this is kind of a little bit of a picture of what that Temple Mount might have looked like. And so this is the southern wall with the double and triple gates. And they were huge, right? They had, like, they were ornate with beautiful things that you, you know, ornate doors with. I don't know, back in those times. Huge gates. And that saw lots and lots of foot traffic every day. Hundreds of pilgrims coming in to worship at the temple. The reason I share that with you is because the lame beggar, he knew where to park up because that was where people would be noticing him. He was seen by hundreds of people every day. We know this because later on in that scripture, it talks about how they go, isn't that the lame beggar that was healed? So the people noticed him, eh? But what did Peter and John do when they noticed him? They did something about it. They took action. They approached this man, shared Jesus with him. Makes me wonder, what are the things around us? What have you noticed as active Christians, what have you noticed, the needs in the community or those around you? What's, what's, what's piqued your interest? A part of activating our faith, I would argue, is identifying those needs around us, but also living listening. I love this phrase, living listening to the Spirit of God and His prompting. Eh? God, what are you saying? Are we, are we intentional when we do that and we go about our day? God, what are you saying right now? I used to be, I used to be a youth leader at my previous church, and for five years or so. And every Friday night, we would have our youth service and then we'd have like a pack down. We had the auditorium, kind of like in here, where we had the service. And then we had like a foyer where we played games, table tennis. I can proudly say undefeated in table tennis. Um, not true, not true. But um, we, we would pack down the foyer at the end of the service and slowly the numbers of kids would dwindle as they were getting picked up. Except this one kid, bless his heart. He was a lingerer. Um, and when I say a lingerer, he, he needed a ride home. And I remember I caught his eye one time, and I said, mate, you're good, you need a ride. He said, yeah, I need a ride. And I said, oh, I'll give you a ride home, mate. So I gave him a ride home. Big mistake. Because a ride home turned into every week, can I have a ride home? But I was just being, I, I, that was a, that's a bad attitude from me. I've just been honest. You'll get honesty from me from the pulpit this morning. And I started, after a few rides home, I started to get a little bit passive and a bit lazy about it when I noticed he needed a ride home. What I would do is I'd actually actively avoid that. There was the ability in, our, in my previous church where there's the foyer. You can go, I'd see him looking for me. I'd go back into the auditorium, out and up the side door, into the car park, and off. Once everything was packed down, of course, because diligently packed down first. But I remember getting really convicted about that. Brad, there's this kid that needs a ride home. And the worst part about it, well, the best part, worst part, it was on the way home anyway. You know? It wasn't even an inconvenience. But I was passive. And I remember God hitting me up. You know when God really convicts you about something and just he doesn't let you 
lose that. And he said, why aren't you giving this kid a ride home? And so I made this pact with God and with myself, I guess, where I said, you know what? Every time I see that this kid needs a ride, when I notice this kid looking for a ride home, I'm going to offer him one. I'm going to take action with that. And the, and the best part was those car rides were actually some of the most fruitful car rides. Times of prayer, times of, of just talking about how school's going and encouraging him and talk, just unpacking what he heard from the, from the message that night and things like that, you know? You know, sometimes us here in the room, we can be a bit like that, I think, and I just want to encourage you as Christians, we would be active in our community. What are the needs in your whānau, in your, in, your, uh, in your workplaces, with your friend groups? You know, maybe it's, you know, your neighbours can't physically mow the lawns anymore. You notice that. As an active Christian, would we then step in? Would we be known as Christians for how we serve our community and serve others and love others? You know, we, we, this weekend's a huge example of, you know, Mother Nature's done its thing and there are going to be needs in our community. Sure, community, would we be known as, as Christians who get stuck in? Would the chat of the town be, hey, there's a whole bunch of these guys that are just helping me out. They're also Christian. It might just start just changing the narrative in some people's mindsets of what, what a Christian is, what an active Christian is. And, you know, sometimes it will take effort, capacity, time. You know, nine times out of ten, the encounters we have will be in the mundane or busy moments, you know? Very seldom will you go in your prayer closet. Has anyone got a prayer closet in this room? Like a place they go to pray, like a room or a cupboard or a... No one. Have any of you seen the war room? <laughs> um, and they, you know, seldom it's after your prayer time, you prayed up, cool, let's go and share Jesus, let's go and serve our community. It's seldom that. It's actually when you're on your way to the supermarket and you notice something, you know? Many of you know the, the story of uh, the Good Samaritan where, where in Luke 10. I want to read just a little bit of it, um, where Jesus has just been asked by the, um, the group he was with, who is my neighbor? He's talking about loving the community, loving my neighbor, loving God. They ask him, well, who, is, who is my neighbor? And Jesus' response, as we see, is it, up there? it is up there. You can turn with me to Luke 10.30 if you'd like to, but I'm going to be really quick with it. A Jewish man was traveling, this is Jesus talking, was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Now get this. I wonder how many of us have missed this. By chance, a priest came along, a man of God. But, he, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Not only did he notice him, and not take action, he actively avoided the situation. How many of the, how many of the, how many of the times is that us, you know? I know it's me sometimes. Then again, a temple assistant, another man of God, walked over and looked at him lying there, but also passed by the other side. Two men of God actively avoiding a need. And as we know, the story goes on where the good Samaritan is the one that clothes him, notices him, takes action for what he notices, puts him up in an inn, Part of loving our neighbor, guys, part of being active Christians is taking action when we notice a need. Would you agree? I think that's active faith. James 2, faith without works is what? Mm. And look, I acknowledge in this room, everyone has different spheres of influence, different, different years of, of wisdom and maturity in the faith. I've been a Christian 10 years this April, praise the Lord. Um, but there's some people in this room that you've been Christian for 
you know, maybe six times that, you know? And there are people that you and environments you can reach that I can't. And there are situations of people that I can reach that you can't. That's the beautiful thing about being in a body, being in unity. Can we just throw up that next picture? Um, we all know this fabulous person. Who is that? Yeah, I think you know. You think it's Mother Teresa, but it, yes, it is Mother Teresa. <laughs> We've obviously all heard about this woman, whether you are a Christian or not. Her humanitarian efforts are known, and her exploits are known throughout the world. She, she is echoed in history. She's left a stain on this earth in a good way. You know, an impact on this earth that's still felt today. Yeah. Now it turns out I didn't know much about Mother Teresa. Because I just assumed that she had felt the call from God to go into this area and serve the needs in the area and, and do something and start up a ministry, etc. Until I did a little bit of digging. Now we know she was born in Macedonia, but she was actually already working in Calcutta, in India, as a teacher, then a principal. So she was in that community for a while before, before she did anything that she did, you know. And um, then she noticed something. She noticed the needs of her community. Leprosy sickness, poverty, death and disease was happening all around her. So she noticed the need and did something about it. The rest speaks for itself. Over 50 years working with the poor and the sick. And I think 1979, yeah, she won a Nobel Peace Prize. Coming from someone noticing the needs and then doing something about it. Let's be people that actually take action when we notice the needs. Is that okay? Note takers, back to you. I'm going to move on because I feel like the ultimate need initially or eventually or whatever the word I'm looking for is there, essentially, there it is, is people coming to know Jesus. Amen? Amen. People coming to know the good news of Christ. Our world today needs that. It's the best thing you could offer somebody. So my next point is that a passive Christian will give somebody what they want, but an active Christian will give somebody what they need. Back into that scripture in Acts, if you've got it, got it with you there. It says that the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting money. That's what he wanted. Did Peter and John give him money? <laughs> no. Uh, they say, I don't have silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Now, look, I'll concede that people in that time may well have noticed the man, actually not to undo all the work of my first point, but they may have noticed the man and done something about it. They may have given him some money. I'd assume so, otherwise he would have found a new spot to go and do his begging, you know? But what he needed was an encounter with the Lord. And because Peter and John gave the man what he needed, not only did he experience Christ, but he heard the good news. He heard some really good news, which I'm going to share with you in just a moment. But you have to remember, this man had been lame since birth. It says further on in the scripture, for over 40 years, they celebrated the healing of a man who'd been lame for over 40 years. Because he was lame from birth, meaning you know, he isn't able to walk, he was considered unclean. And in those times, biblical times, you are not able to enter the temple if you're unclean. So this man had not had the ability to go into the temple and worship the Lord because he was unclean. But what happens? Let's find out. He leaps, walks, leaping, praising God. He went into the temple with them. Because two men gave him what he needed. He then got to enter the temple for the first time. 40 years. And then he heard the best news of all. And I'm going to read, and I haven't put it up here, so come back to Acts with me. Verse 14 to 20. This is when Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. 
he goes on to say this to the crowd. You rejected this holy righteous one, talking about Christ, and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Verse 19 and 20 really just capture this. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Wow. The lame man needed to hear that. He woke up one morning wanting money, and he left experiencing salvation. That's what people around us in our whanau, our community, our workplaces, friend groups, whatever, that's what they need to hear. I think it was... um, is it Pastor Randall? Is that his name? That spoke last week. Talked about, being, talked about repentance and, and talking about um, John the Baptist. Great, great message. Don't know if you're here, Randall. Maybe not. Um, but what an what a important message for, for not just the layman, but the crowd to hear that day. Now, I would argue, yes, us preaching the gospel is our deeds and our actions. When we, when we notice something, we, we, we take action, you know, serving and loving our community in practical ways. That's important. But that's not the full gospel. The full gospel is telling people what they need to hear. And I'm not just talking about telling people Jesus loves them. That is true. But there's more truth to that, to tell people. What did Jesus do to show his love for you? And why did he do it? This point's heavy on my heart, and it might be heavy in this room, because we've all got people that come to mind right now that don't know Jesus. It could be friends, family. Children that have strayed away from the Lord. This point's heavy on my heart because in the last few years, I've seen so many of my Christian brothers and sisters in Christ walk away from the Lord. I had a coffee with a friend of mine last week who told me he was deconstructing and no longer believed in Jesus and wanted to do his own thing. Hurts my heart. My family aren't Christian. And that's there on my mind and on my heart for prayer all the time because it's the best news, you know? I want to share an analogy with you um, that kind of shows us that Jesus is, is not a want, but he's a need. You know, even that, people knowing, oh, I want Jesus in my life. Yeah, of course we do, but we actually need him too. Has anyone in this room ever heard of Ray Comfort? Ray Comfort. He's a uh, New Zealander from Christchurch, I believe. Evangelist. And uh, he shares this analogy of an airplane. And I'm going to share that with you this morning. Some of you might have heard it before. So let's just pretend we're all on an airplane right now. It's called, uh, I don't know, Airplane Life. Life Airways. I don't know. We need a bit of name for it. That's your job, Ruben. Think of a name for our airplane. And um, let's just say, as we're sitting in our, in our airplane, the air hostess comes up to us and says, excuse me, I've got this parachute for you. Now look, this parachute's got all the bells and whistles. It's going to give you... It's going to make your flight better. It's going, to give, it's going to give you a better flight. You know, other people are wearing it. Uh, it's cool. It's the thing to do. You know, it'll give you comfort and safety. All of this stuff, you're going to, you're going to put on that parachute, eh? And I mean, I would. She's a good salesperson. 
I just, maybe I didn't sell it that well, but she would have sold it better than I just sold it, you know. So you put it on, and after a while, there's actually a paper plane flying around the back right now. Great illustration point. Um, you're going to get a little bit uncomfortable. You know, you're sitting in a plane. We all know how small the planes are. Me and my friend Noah, we just got back from Europe a few weeks ago. 11 hours in these things. Not fun. Especially when the person behind you has got a screaming baby, you know. <laughs> Parents, I feel for you. It's harder for you than for the other people listening. And anyway, you've got this parachute on. It's not going to be that comfortable. You're going to just, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable in those small seats. And you look around, and actually, not everyone's wearing their parachute. In fact, most people aren't. They've got it on the ground beside them. In fact, you're noticing that most people on this airplane are giving you a bit of grief for wearing this parachute. What are most of us going to do? Open floor. Anyone? We can take it off, aren't we? Put it beside us. Um, Versus, let's change the analogy a bit. The air hostess comes up to you and says, all right, just letting you know, this is a parachute. It's free. Um, This plane's going to crash. And um, the thing is, everyone's going to die. I'll be like, get me off off the plane. Um, And they say, but the only thing that can save your life is this parachute. Wear it if you want. I don't think you're going to be taking that thing off, eh? Jesus didn't come to give us a better life, guys. He came to save our life. Yes, peace, joy, love, security, fellowship, you know, with fellow believers. All those things are a part of the kingdom of God. But that's secondary. The main thing is he saved your life, saves our life. And people need to hear that. The layman needed to hear that one day. My parents, they're not Christian, as I shared. And about, you know, I've been a Christian 10 years and I've shared sporadically over the years with my mum and dad, hey, you know, Jesus loves you. I've shared experiences in church. I've shared about the miracles I've even seen on mission trips and things like that and trying to encourage them. Um, and, you know, my dad doesn't believe that there's a God. My mum's kind of, I don't know how to explain, <laughs> love my mum. But she believes there's a God but doesn't, you know, when I'm, you know those people. I believe in God. I don't believe in the Bible or anything else, though, you know, one of those kinds of ones. And the universe, I think that's the best way to put it. <laughs> bless, bless you, Francis. Um, and only a year ago, I actually finally sucked up the courage to share the good news that, you know what? How do you get to heaven, mum? My mum, class, okay. Well, by being a good person. That's how I, get, how I get there. Which is what you hear a lot. And I said to my mum, great, well, that's okay. But, you know, being a good person, first of all, doesn't say that in the Bible. Second of all, that's like standing on the edge of that airplane, jumping out when everyone else jumps out their parachutes. You don't have a parachute, but you're flapping your wings. I'm going to get there. I'm, I'm a good person. I had to share with them, no, no, no. Jesus is the only way. No one can come to the Father except through the Son. That's the message people need to hear in our communities, eh? I know that's a heavy point, but there are people we know that don't know Christ. And I was scared for so long of offending my parents that I didn't share the good news with them. But why would I want to let offense stop me from sharing the best news of all to my mum and dad? I want to stand with them in heaven one day and worship God. At this point, them not knowing Christ, not believing in Christ, that's not where they're going to be. And we get, we get scared of the word hell. I'm just going to put it out there. I mean, I know uh, Pastor Randall talked about that last week and repentance. We get scared of repentance and the word hell. Repentance means to simply turn from your sins and walk to God, yeah? Hell, I mean, Jesus, when he spoke of heaven and hell in the Bible, 
let me allow you to guess which one he mentioned more. Now, please, please, church, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying I've actually got a whole bunch of billboards in my car, and we're going up Queen Street, Queen Street, you know, what do you call that? Protesting. <laughs> I'm not about that. Jesus did it in love. He did it in relationship. He did it in community. So when you've built community with people and you love people, part of loving people and being active in our faith is eventually getting to that good news. Amen? I don't want to be scared to ruffle feathers. Jesus ruffled plenty of feathers. And it's not just when I talk about active Christians, when I think about it, when I talk about active Christians telling people or giving people what they need versus what they want, it's not just the gospel as well. You know, it's practical things too. You know, my youth pastor back in Whangamata, I've been called a Muppet plenty of times by him, plenty of times when I was a youngster. You know, I remember vividly him pulling me aside and going, so mate, you going to this party? And I was like, yeah, of course. He goes, well, you're an idiot, aren't you? You know, um, and I, I still went, and I was, it was a dumb thing to do because it wasn't a great time, but he told me what I needed to hear. Let's be people that tell people what they need to hear. Is that cool? And my last point, note takers, you're back in action again, get those pens at the ready, but, you know, an active Christian will take action with what they notice. Let's be people that take action. An active Christian will give people what they need. Let's, let's bring the good news of Jesus to our friends, our family, our colleagues. Let's remember to do that, guys. And my last point is right there. Passive Christians... Oh, it's written differently on there to my notes, but that's okay. A passive Christian will go unnoticed. An active Christian attracts attention. If you flip over a page, if you're still in Acts with me, I'm just going to read one little scripture. But in Acts 4.13, this is after the big address to the, to the council and to the members of, the, of that area from... Peter and John, or Peter uh, primarily, says this, Acts 4 verse 13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men, I love this, with no special training in the scriptures. That's us. We're ordinary people who love Jesus. And then here, they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. They were recognized as men who had been with Jesus. Something about them was noticeable to the common eye, you know? I think one of the worst things we can hear as Christians, and there's a lot of things we hear, hey, we get a lot of persecution, but I think that one of the worst things we could hear as a Christian is uh, when someone says something along the lines of, oh, I didn't know you were a Christian. <laughs> you know, I remember... I remember I, where I work at the moment, I've got a group of uh, teachers, group of colleagues that I, I sit with every lunchtime, essentially to, you know, eat lunch. And uh, I remember about a year in doing. A, I've been there for four years where I'm now, but every day we'd have lunch together and we we do quiz nights together. Um, we, we've got a good good fellowship happening. And um, I remember for some reason we were talking about real estate, and I don't know much about real estate, so I try. You know, when you try to fit into a conversation that you just have no place being in, I should have just sat down and ate my food. <laughs> And I remember saying, um, oh, my church building's getting sold. This is my previous church. Uh, they had to sell it because of earthquake. It was drama. And I remember saying that, and they all looked at me and gave me this look that, that could have killed. And, and they went, that's the first problem. And the eyebrows do that. Are you a Christian? That's what all of them. Are you a Christian? You go to church. Oh, my goodness. My heart sank. Um, yeah, I am. 
Why? What makes you think I'm not? <laughs> but what did that tell me? That, tell, that tells me that the fruit of my life didn't, didn't stand out. It wasn't different. I looked the same as them. And guys, we don't want to be undercover Christians. James Bond Christians, you know? Matthew 5 says that we're to be salt and light to the world, a light on a hill. Here's Peter, in this context of Scripture, who had just denied Jesus three times, is now boldly in public sharing the good news and then recognized as somebody transformed and who had been with Jesus. We're called to be, yes, in the world, but not of it. Imitators of Christ. That's what an active Christian is. And if, if we say we're Christian, I know this is a heavy word, guys, but it's, I hope it's a good challenge, you know, because at the end of the day, we want people to know who, who Jesus is and how good he is, how he loves us. But this is all a part of it. But if we say we're Christian, but our, our lives, both inwardly and outwardly, look the same, feel the same as everything and everyone else, then what's changed? What's changed? And... Um, Look, I'm not saying, and I'm not talking about behaving as if we're perfect. It's not an act. It's not trying to be perfect and holier than anybody else. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, Isaiah 64 says, self-righteousness is like what? Filthy rags. And we're all going to get it wrong. We're all going to fall short. We're all going to make mistakes. That's why I love when when we're here in the morning and Ruben's sharing and he shares about the things he sometimes works through. It's great to see that when there's no superhuman Christian other than Jesus, yeah? And I know one of the kind of things to be said is that, you know, well, Jesus blended in because he hung out with sinners and disreputable folk all the time. That is true. But when he hung out with them, they changed, not him. They changed, not him. And, you know, I, I personally believe one of the reasons, it might not be the main reason, But one of the reasons there are plenty of people in this world today that have rejected Christianity that aren't Christian, sir, Christians, has got nothing to do with them, you know, intellectually thinking there's a God, so theism, or or thinking that, you know, this is possible. I think a, a lot of people aren't Christian today because they've met Christians who have misrepresented Christ, who look just the same as them. Why would I want to do what you're doing? I'm you're doing the same thing that I'm doing. I would hate to be a stumbling block for somebody else come to know Christ through the way I live. You know, even for me, my parents will tell you, my mum and my dad, I love them to bits. And I'm coming up to, I'm coming up to close here, but um, my mum and dad will tell you that Brad, my mum puts it this way, she, he's a changed man, Brad. It's good, it's good, eh? Imagine that. He went to church and he got worse. Imagine that. <laughs> but you know, my own life, like I said, I only became a Christian when I was 16. But I had a decision to make when I became a Christian. Am I going to, I remember, even when I first became a Christian, am I all in for this or am I going to be half in, half out, lukewarm? And what happens, what does Scripture say in Revelation about the lukewarm? Get spit out, yeah, hot or cold. And I remember just being like, you know, I'm going to be all in. And at that time, I was in the wrong scenes. I was abusing substances, I was in trouble with the police. I was fingerprinted by my po- local police sergeant in Whangamata, 15 or 14. It was a great fire we lit, though, but anyway. Um, you know, it, I was a bit of a menace, put it that way. I was a menace, and I got to know that Jesus can change my life. 
But the best part is I knew that he actually saved my life. And as I get to close, it's Phil, eh? Come join me, my friend. He promised to play some ACDC behind me. Maybe we won't do ACDC. <laughs> I know you want to do Back in Black, but we'll move. <laughs> but the real miracle of this scripture, and could we go to my last slide? My fr- oh, perfect. The, last, uh, the, the real miracle of this scripture isn't actually that lame man getting healed. It's an amazing miracle. This man, 40 years, can now stand and walk. I myself have seen a paralyzed man healed and walk. He was paralyzed for 12 years. It was a, I was only a Christian for a month. And here I am in the jungles of Vanuatu seeing all these crazy things. It was amazing. But I know how amazing that kind of miracle is. But that wasn't the real miracle. It goes on to say that that day, 2,000 men were saved. Because they saw this miracle, but then they heard the preaching of, of um, Peter. And that's just the men. Who knows what impact that had when they went home and when they were with their wives and their kids. 2,000 added to their number that day. And the best part is one of those that got added to their number was the lame man who couldn't enter the temple because he was unclean until two men active in their faith noticed the need, took action. Didn't give him what he wanted. They gave him Jesus. And these men stood out. The best part, you know, they're unschooled, ordinary men just like us. We can all reach different people in this room. I know this is a challenging word. It challenges me, but I want people to know the goodness of Christ. I want my life to be a life where I'm actually doing something in my community and serving others practically, not just with my mouth, not just lip service. Yeah, I'll pray for you. Why don't you come around with some buckets and scoop out the water in my basement instead of praying for my basement? Can we all stand this morning? Is that okay? If you're able to, we're going to lead into communion. No matter our age, our demographic, our area of life, we can all be active Christians and live an active lifestyle. And can I just encourage actually people in this room that there isn't a point where this starts and a point where it ends. And what I mean by that, it doesn't start when you hit 16, you can start being an active Christian the disciples were teenagers. Teenagers in this room. Even younger than teenagers. I don't know what you call that. Pre-adolescents. I don't know. Kids. Kids in this room. Stop coloring in for a second and listen. You've got friends at school that you can really help out and share Jesus with. And if you're in this room and you feel like, and I'm being really respectful when I say this, but you feel like you're beyond your years. The glory years are behind you. Well, that's not true. The glory years are when you pass from here into eternity. There are people you can reach in this room if you're in your 70s, 80s, 90s, 100s, whatever. We can all reach people. And I'm so glad that the good news is that Jesus reaches us and loves us so much that he would die on that cross for our sins, not to give us a better life, but to save our life. And that's what we're doing when we take communion. We're remembering what did Jesus do? Jesus actually came so that we could find forgiveness of our sin, eternity with Him in heaven. And you know, I just want to put this out there before I let you go and grab your emblems of communion, that if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, you're in this room and you've been to church many times or what have you, but you actually don't know Jesus, you, you feel like 
Jesus for you is a want, not a need, or you feel like you don't, yeah, you don't even have a relationship with him. After the service, come and speak to, to Pastor Ruben up here or, or myself. We'll kind of hang around and see what happens. Come and, come and share that with us and we can pray with you and tell you what the next steps are. Even if you're in this room and you feel like you've walked away from Jesus, come back to him. You're not coming back to a better life. You're coming back to a saved life. So when you take communion this morning, church, would you just come with two mindsets? The first one is just a thankfulness for what Jesus has done for you. He was the most active of all Christians. <laughs> you know, he was so active that he did what he did on that cross. So would we just be thankful? And just take a moment when you take your communion emblem, just thank God for your salvation. Thank God that he died for you because there's no other way to heaven otherwise. Just like revel in that thankfulness for a moment. And then... Would you just take a one quick moment to then ask him to put people on your heart or situations or scenarios on your heart, people you know that need to be reached, circumstances that you've noticed, ask him to bring them to mind, areas you can practically help your community, your family, your work colleagues. Ask God because he'll put that on your heart. I'm going to pray. Can you all just close your eyes and I'm going to pray. Father God, thank you that you did die on that cross for us. Lord, so that we could have eternity with you to save our lives, not to give us a better life. And Jesus, I pray now that you would put people on our hearts and minds that need to know this good news. And would you give us the boldness that you gave Peter and John, boldness to share this, because it's easier said than done. God, give us that boldness and the courage to share in relationship appropriately the good news of Jesus. And would you also give us just this action where we would go out and be known as Christians for how we love our community, how we get stuck in and just help out. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources or to donate to our teaching resource ministry or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shore.org.nz Alternatively, you can email office at shore.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.